It's the Owl 360 Podcast. We're live at the Walnut Street Studios, and this episode is on Red Ribbon Week. With us at the table are... Sam Browning. Tanya Couch, Jackson County United Way. Cassie Fox, School Social Worker at Jackson. Emily Engelking, Jackson County United Way. Lisa Ferguson, Seymour Schools. And what we're going to be talking about is our plans for Red Ribbon Week. It's so important right now. I think with everything that's going on in our society and uh, the opioid crisis and, and just all that combined creates a, a perfect storm with, for some of our students and our parents and a lot of people in our community. So, Tanya, I know that United Way is doing a lot to kind of unite everybody in the community together during this week. Can you go That's over right. some of the So plans? this is probably our third or fourth year to kind of lead the charge and elevate um, Red Ribbon Week. I know it's something we did when I was growing up um, and we had kind of fallen away from this drug-free message um, for a little bit or there wasn't a lot of coordination. So we've really taken um, a countywide approach to get schools to come together to talk about Red Ribbon Week, um, to have administrators receive banners to put in front of their schools um, and get the information out not only to parents or not only to students right but to get them to talk to parents about the issues what we heard in community conversations from 16 to 18 were a lot about oh, I, I didn't realize this was an issue for my children um, at a really really young level I didn't know that fifth graders needed to be talking about a drug-free message. And so really um, working to get some tips into the hands of parents about how to talk to their kids, regardless of their age level. Like, we need to be talking to kids as early as three. And it, and it isn't, uh, you know, it, there's a frame on what we need to say depending on the age level. So um, we've been giving tips to, to parents over the course of the years. Um, when we do our Dine United, which is kind of the focused week of October 23rd through the 31st, which Red Ribbon Week is, um, we're focusing on talking tips at the table. So while families are out enjoying a meal, they can also go, oh, how do I talk to my kids about drug abuse? Well, here's something I can ask them, or here's a topic we can talk about. And so just encouraging that conversation. To and it's spread, out, it's spread out all over the community. What I think is so good, as you said, we're going out to eat at Freddy's or wherever, and there's some information there that they can, they can talk about. Some of the places, I know like Brewski's is doing it, Rockford Ridge, um, Mikasa, yeah. uh, anything else, anywhere else? That yeah, you can so um, Brooklyn Pizza and on Halloween, Bullwinkles is going to uh, host us. So just really excited to be able to get families out enjoying some time together and to be able to have some conversations about some tough topics that families probably skirt away from sometimes. It is a tough topic. And I, and I know a lot of people ignore the elephant in the room. And I think there isn't really anybody in our community's family who has been touched some way or another by some sort of... of drug abuse or issues that, that are connected with it. Um, what I wanted to see, what all the elementaries are going to be doing, what the plans are in the sixth grade center in the middle school. If you don't mind, Cassie, go ahead and tell us what's going on at Jackson. Sure. Um, several of the elementary schools work together um, by doing many activities, including um, classroom guidance lessons. We have videos. We do door decorating contests, drawings. Um, all the schools participate in a theme dress-up days. The children love those, especially pajama day. <laughs> <laughs> um, we do daily announcements featuring a drug-free message. Um, even the cafeteria gets in on the action, and we are going to have a, um, a day in the cafeteria. It's taco day, talk about drugs. That will be on Thursday of Red Ribbon Week. Um, we, have giving, we have giveaways for our students, as well as um, a few of the art classes are doing special projects. 
And on, on the front of all of the elementary schools, we will be displaying the um, I'll Be Drug Free banner. And um, specifically at Jackson this year, we are doing a red ribbon theme called Socket to Drugs. And we'll be collecting new socks to help those children in need in our community. And the children are all excited because the classroom with the most donations will receive um, a, hop, a sock hop dance party. Oh, neat. Very cool. cool. DJed by yourself? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Kids bop, right? Yes. <laughs> well, I know, know new to the discussion, Mrs. Ingle King. Yes, hello. Hello. What exactly is, is your role going to be in Red Ribbon Week? Do you know yet? I know you're just kind of new to the organization. but I am. Um, mostly, I think this year, uh, my main focus is Dine United. So I'll be out, um, along with my colleague, uh, Macy Barley, we will be out at all of these. So we'll be kind of sitting to the side on a table. We'll have some information for people and just having a presence and helping out where we can. Oh, excellent. So you'll be, say... At Bullwinkles. And yeah. Oh, that's great. That, that's excellent. Yeah. But I think, we, Tanya, you had hit on something a little earlier, though. I'm sorry to skip around a little bit, but you had talked about how to parents to talk to kids. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, I think us in the, that are in the lower grades, it's kids talking to parents, too. Mm -hmm. I mean, so many of us have had kids that come up, mom and dad's in trouble, or mom's in trouble, dad's in trouble. And I think giving them the vocabulary is really important, too, how to talk. Is, is there some information that you guys are going to have? I know the, the school social workers through their guidance lessons probably, I'm guessing, um, based on conversations we've had in the past, do give a little bit of language. Um, at United Way, we're happy to help leverage some of that if that's something we need to look into to 2020 and um, thinking about how to provide resources we're happy to. I know in the, la in the past, we've given people, or given kids red, the red um, pinwheels and the story that's near and dear to my heart that I know I've shared a couple of times um, with school faculty and staff are this, um, there's a young man from Brown Elementary. Um, his mom has an addiction. He's living with his grandma. And the first year he took that red pinwheel home, he was telling his grandma all, all about it and had the talk to your kids tips. Um, and so he already had his personal story and kind of knew the journey. And so he shared the tips with grandma, put the pinwheel outside. They live in an apartment, put it in his pumpkin. He was so excited about it. Well, after Halloween, grandma <laughs> threw the pumpkin away, but she knew how important that pinwheel was. Oh, good. She kept the pinwheel. She moved it to their Thanksgiving kind of centerpiece in the home. Um, at Christmas time, I got a picture that it was in their Christmas tree. <laughs> he has kept his red pinwheel Aww. and added the second year to it. And I see Grandma at the grocery store from time to time, and she just <laughs> keeps telling me when he received his first pinwheel, he came home and he said, this message is important because I want to live a different life Aww. than what I've seen my mom do. Um, now, mom is back in the picture and getting healthy and um, getting the help that she needs. Uh, but he keeps those pinwheels as a kind of just a way to help him know that he can overcome struggles and he doesn't have to um, rely on substances. Uh, something that I think is very telling, you know, we've learned a lot about why people choose to use. And the number one thing that comes up is coping mechanisms. Mm -hmm. People just don't know how to deal with anger or sadness or anxiety <laughs> self-medication comes right. in and so play. people tend to use for that very reason or even start using um as early as early as 
kids do now um, because they see this from their parents. And so um, while I say, you know, we don't necessarily have tips, I think about this young man's story and that red pinwheel has changed the course of Mm. the last two years for him and and his grandma and his grandma's so proud and is sharing pictures with us that we can share with others to be able to tell his story. It's almost a domino effect with this grandma and this child, bam, 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 can just spread all the way out. That's right. Sam Browning, what are we doing at the Sixth Grade Center? Sure. So the Sixth Grade Center is also going to be participating in uh, theme dress-up days and announcements um, daily. And we have also partnered um, with Cummins, uh, and they we're going to have some volunteers at our school on um, October 30th. And we've also partnered with um, our resource officers and our DARE officers, and we are going to have a Walktober walkathon event so on october 30th that morning each hallway is going to have the opportunity on the south side of our um, lot there in the grass to uh, walk um, and our theme is saying no every step of the way Um, so students are going to be educated um, as they're walking we're hoping to have some adult volunteers um, encouraging them Um, hopefully united way will definitely be there saying uh, you know we are saying no to drugs uh, every step of the way. Um, our adults, we're hoping that they're gonna be there to cheer and participate with our students. Um, and so we're looking, really looking forward to the 30th for our Walktober event. That sounds great, that sounds fun. Mrs. Ferguson, I know that you're under your guidance, you've kind of been the person who's tie, helped tie us all together along with, with the United Way. Have you, what changes have you seen? I know you were a principal several years ago but I mean what changes have you seen in, in society in Red Ribbon Week as we've, as we've gone through the years right Tanya and I have talked about this many times I think that the change has become it's no longer isolated this is a community issue and it needs a community response and that means all of us uh, working together to get the message out, to provide that support, to have information and resources. And I think so many times folks may want help, they just don't know where to go, what to do, how do I, I start. They always say every journey starts with that first step. And you know, I think that one of the things that we try to do with community agencies and the school is start to identify what are those first steps. How can we get you started on that path? Whether it's a pinwheel, whether it's an information sheet, whether it's going out to eat, you know, one of the things that we've really tried to focus on every single facet of our daily work, how can we make that a part of it? And I know that one of the things that I hope that our listeners out there might think about is how can you get involved? What can you do? You know, you're hearing the types of things that we're working on here. Some of the things that we're interested in is how can we embed this in what we do every single day of the school year? How can we get in there early? What can you do? What can your business do? What can you do in your homes? What can you do publicly? Those are things that that we're looking for. And one of the things that I saw that some other schools are doing, they're moving away from the event type things and they're uh, during their Red Ribbon Week, they're selecting more uh, relationship building activities during that week. You know, some of the things that I saw that really kind of touched uh, home for me is uh, everybody in the school wore a name tag. You know, when you put something that was uh, interesting or special about you, you know, so all day you had uh, some kind of reference to this is me and I matter you know, what I do. Uh, Another thing that they had was uh, no one's alone today. So, 
You know, you, you pick someone new to sit with, you see someone walking alone, you join them, you know, those types of things because in addition to anxiety, coping, those types of things, sometimes it's loneliness. Sometimes Social isolation. It's, yeah, sometimes it's knowing my place where I fit in, you know, how that works. So, you know, bringing that facet maybe more to the the front is how can we build relationships and how can we support each other because a lot of the messages and things that I think kids see on social media and you know the bullying the you know like I I have to put you down so that I feel better you know we we can start to make a change in that and you know just the idea that we can disagree without ruining our you know like Troy we don't agree on everything but you know we we can have a disagreement but we can still be okay with that Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. I saw a story the other day that I really liked it said if you had $86,000 in your account and someone took $10 away from you would you you know would you worry about that for a long time but we can let someone with one comment we've let them take all um, wealth Right, and it, and it continues on and on, especially as Sam and I could, and well, all, all of us in there, the deal with, with students is that in an adolescence, one comment in middle school can stay with a, a, a person for their entire lives. You know, all it takes is, oh, you're fat, you're ugly, you're, you have buck teeth, and it's, it stays with them. And I, what I, if I read correctly or listened correctly is that in that, really, Red Ribbon Week used to be kind of, it'd be something we'd do for five days at school, okay, we've got the message out there. But we need to find a way to every day, every day find something. Now, Mrs. Browning, you and I did something with, with the at sixth grade center in the seven eight building, the Hello Week. Could right. you go just talk a little bit about what that was and what we did there? Sure. Um, start with Hello Week and Say Something Week is a Sandy Hook promise, and it's uh, an initiative from the Sandy Hook uh, shooting event. And uh, we had a week that our students were encouraged to say hello to someone that they didn't know or to say hello to an adult. And then we also encouraged our adults in the building, if you see a student that you don't have in class or you don't know, say hello to them, ask them their name, um, and we can get conversations started through that. And if you see someone sitting alone. I, now, Cassie, I don't know at the elementary if you see a lot of this, this the social isolation because the table, they're all set together. They have to sit mm-hmm. together. Do you see that at all? Not so much at lunchtime, no. Um, occasionally we do, but they all sit together at lunchtime. However, at recess, we do see some of this. And um, during our classroom lessons, a lot of that is discussed. And we even had Boomer from the Indiana Pacer stop by I this week. That. It was a big hit. Actually, he's at two of the schools today. And part of his message is building each other up. And we teach that to the students and so that they can be the upstander, be that person to stand up for themselves and for others, and to, to seek those students out that may need a friend mm-hmm. on the playground especially. You know, some people will say, well, what, what does that have to do with Red Ribbon Week and staying off of drugs? But it has everything to do with it. <laughs> it's the whole, whole person. It's the whole approach. Okay. So I think that what we're doing hopefully is working. You know, we don't know. It's a years in advance. That's the thing about what we all do. We don't see results maybe right away, but down the line we see those things changing. And Um, we celebrate Red Ribbon Week, like you said, one week out of the year. However, during our classroom guidance lessons, I know that a lot of us speak to this every time we're in the classroom, um, building each other up, not tearing each other down, as well as the coping skills 
that we need, the tools that we need to place in those children's toolboxes so that they can make good choices, healthy choices every day of the week. Tanya, anything else that you could add that we haven't covered yet that United Way is doing in conjunction with, with the schools and the community? I, I would just encourage people as we th kind of thought about this being a community-wide thing, right? So can we do Hello Week in industry settings? Can we do Hello Week at a variety of businesses? How do we as a community come together and celebrate this and not just celebrate it through our kids being in school? Because mm -hmm. not everyone has a school-aged child in this community, but it's an issue and an opportunity for everyone to get engaged in and get connected to. How's the community been? Have they been receptive? I mean, the businesses and some yeah, of the people Yeah, I think so. So last year we did a couple of campaigns during Red Ribbon Week with kind of dress-up theme days for them, but also those tips, right, and getting HR professionals to share here. If you are in need of help, here are some services that you can reach out to, um, specifically some mental health pieces that we can provide um, through one of our partners and it, just a variety of opportunities for the community to plug in. I know people have commented for a couple of years now when they've driv driven by on 50 and seen the banners with a lot of different companies listed saying, you know, this is our community and we're we're hopeful um, for a future. We have signs out everywhere in the county now that say small towns, big hope, community of recovery. And so really presenting that recovery message as a part of Red Ribbon Week to inspire hope. Um, because if we cannot inspire hope in this community, we can't change our future story. Uh, and it starts with the kids on a prevention level, but then for people that maybe have made different decisions, um, there is still a redemptive story to be had. And I would like to say, do you remember a few years ago but, uh, when we started this initiative of going back into the community, I had the students at Jackson create grocery sacks from the JC store, and they were the the paper bags and the JC store worked with me and donated those to us to the school and I had all 700 students at Jackson decorate one and then I delivered those back to the JC store and they handed those sacks out to all of their patrons. Um, a lot of the cashiers said, oh my gosh, we have not explained what Red Ribbon Week was so many times because a lot of the people that were shopping had no idea what that was. I went to Tanya and said, oh my gosh we've got to do a better job of this. And so we started a few years back with, with what you just spoke with. That's right. I know at the middle school we're doing uh, the, the day stuff, like I'm a genius, you get to wear jeans, that kind of stuff. But also with, with middle schoolers, I think with some of our older students, they have, a, uh, I guess what I'm trying to say, I have to, what I'm doing in our guidance lessons is explaining, here's how these things affect your brain and your brain growth. Mm -hmm. So they, 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 they're still kids, but they also want to know that science behind it. So that, that's been successful too. So we get that out to the community too. Mm -hmm. uh, they see mom or dad drinking or whatever they're doing. They think, well, well they got a job, they're okay. Mm -hmm. But it, it's hard making that connect until you explain, here's the changes that goes on, mm -hmm. you know, when you do. Anything else as we go around the table? Well, I just want to say I'm inspired. I'm inspired by all of these stories and all of the things that are, are going on, and I hope that our listeners are inspired too. I am so inspired that if you are a business owner or uh, you're out there in industry or any of those things and you want some folks to come into your uh, place and share this information, uh, maybe make some connections, build some mentoring programs, anything that we could do, we're willing to come to you. Uh, we'll do it for free. 
you know that that's just how um, how much we uh, we believe in this and you know uh, Tanya has really made me think today we really need to work on we spend a lot of time working on the students giving them uh, the tools but you know we need to get that message to the adults to the parents to those who may not have kids in school so call on us and we will respond to go over the dates for the Let's Dine United Jackson County again on October 16th yeah, we'll be at Brewski's Grub and Pub. They actually do a steak dinner night, so every steak dinner that's sold will get a portion of that steak A certain dinner. time limit, Tanya, or do you guys know yet? Just come on out. <laughs> <laughs> okay. October 22nd? Is Rockford Ridge, so a great way to go out and grab a quick lunch or order and pick it up on your way home so you don't have to drag the kids out. October, you're never sure what the weather's going to be like yes. for an yes. out, outdoor diner. Uh, lunch at Hills Fish Stand on October 23rd. Um, everyone's favorite in the community, I think, is probably Mikasa and getting out there um, on That's October, October 23rd. 23rd yep. yep, so two days. So have lunch at Hills and dinner at Mikasa, and it'll be a great day. You won't have to cook at all. Um, <laughs> October 24th is Blondie's Pizzeria. That's in Brownstown. So we have a, a great business there supporting the outreach as well. And then on the 29th, Bubba's Place will have uh, a meal. The 30th is Brooklyn Pizza. And then finally, we wrap up on uh, Halloween night with Bullwinkles. Um, so a lot of great opportunities to kind of eat your way through Jackson County um, and support a great cause and, and learn what you can um, to support the community. Have a beautiful time. <laughs> <laughs> well, folks, if you would like to be involved, if you want more information, please contact Seymour Community Schools. Uh, send an email to Mrs. Ferguson. Contact the administration building here. Mm -hmm. We would love for you to be involved. Contact the schools themselves, sixth grade center, uh, Jacks, any of the elementaries. You always get a hold of contact information for you guys. Yeah, just uh, check us out on social media. Is probably the easiest way to find us at myjaxy um, on any social media feed. Okay. It's the Owl 360 podcast and the School of Greatness is in session with Mrs. Lindsay Prey and Mrs. Stacy Townsend, our directors of our food services programs here at Seymour Community Schools. And we're here to talk about something very special that's coming up. It's National School Lunch Week. Now, Stacy, what exactly is that? National School Lunch Week is a week where all schools across the United States celebrate the school lunch program and the importance that a school lunch has in a child's life and their academic performance. Now, Lindsay, what's your role? I am kind of the idea person. I come up with what we're going to do to celebrate and come up with prizes and the fun things that we do that week. Well, I read somewhere that there's over in the United States, there's 30 million kids are, are fed weekly or daily. Uh, about how many would you guess are here in Seymour? Here in Seymour, we serve about 3,300 lunches every school day. And do we have more breakfasts than lunches? We typically serve more lunches than breakfast, but our breakfast program is popular too. I would say we probably serve close to 2,000 breakfasts in a day. Wow, that's a lot of planning. So when do you start planning for the, the school year? I mean, is it the previous year? Um, really, the process never stops. We have a summer food service program as well, so we really operate just about year-round. Um, when I come back in July, that's when I really start to hit heavy with the menus and getting everything ready for the upcoming school year, but we're a year-round operation. Well, I know there's been a lot of studies. I know the CDC came out and said that, like, they did a survey and, like, a lot of the students that make A's eat, eat, eat a breakfast. A lot of the students make mostly A's eat, eat a school lunch. So it, the importance of it can't be underestimated. Have you all heard any of the uh, 
like in some of the smaller school districts where they've gotten like the locally produced things and brought in. And, and you remember when we were little, it seemed like cooks actually did a lot more cooking than they do now. Uh, why would you, what's happened there, Stacy? Why has that gone away from that some? So a lot of things have changed. Um, one thing is maybe back when we were children, you didn't have as many of the breakfast programs as you do today. So our school lunch ladies are making two meals a day. They're coming in at 6.30 and starting up on breakfast. Then after breakfast is over, they're cleaning up and preparing for lunch. Um, so there's just not as much time Fine. to prepare lunch. And then also when you're looking at your workforce, the skill set of maybe those home cooks isn't there like it used to be. Um, we have stronger government regulations, so you can't just add a pinch of this or mm-hmm. um, a little of that to your recipes anymore. It has to be uh, strict guidelines for our student meals. And then also, we're just serving more kids than ever before. So back to that time factor. Oh, my gosh. Okay, let's get back to National School Lunch Week. Sorry, I had to got off on a tangent there. Now, Lindsay, what are some stuff that we have planned? Okay, for our elementary schools, we're going to be playing Plinko this year. So, uh, the kids which is which is Plink, what is Plinko for those if you don't know? Yeah, um, if you've ever watched The Price Is Right, Plinko, you know, it's the pegs and the puck, and you stick it down there, and it kind of goes around until uh-huh. it hits a spot, and whatever spot they hit is going to coordinate with a prize. And uh, some of the prizes that we're going to have this year are stickers, bookmarks. We have kites, squishy balls, which is what the kids really like. Oh, yes. Um, mini playing cards, erasers, temporary tattoos. So all of those things are going to be things that the kids can get um, if they get their name drawn. So it's just going to be a random drawing of names. And and at the elementary school level, it will definitely be just for any kid that walks in the cafeteria that day. At the middle school, which includes sixth grade center, we're going to be doing just an entry per meal. So if a kid gets a meal that day, they get entered to win a prize. And the top prize this year for the middle school is a pair of Beats headphones. Ooh, they'll love that. Yes. And then we have um, our second place prize would be a pair of movie tickets. And then the third place prize is uh, $5 in a la carte cash. So just a way to get kids to come back in and see us. And for the high school, it's going to be pretty much the same thing. Um, If you get a lunch, you get an entry to win a prize. The top prize this year at the high school is a Fitbit. And then it's the same for the middle school. as It's the same as the middle school. Uh, The second place prize is a pair of movie tickets. And then the third place is uh, $5 of a la carte cash. Wow, sounds like you guys have some great stuff planned. Now, again, at the elementary, the students just whenever they get their lunches, they're enrolled. I mean, they're they're, yes. chan- they're they have their chance. At the middle school, what do we have to do? Uh, at at the middle school, all you'll have to do is just eat with us that day, and every day you eat, you get entered in to win a prize. Well, that sounds fantastic. Sounds like a lot of fun. So, when will the prizes be given out and that kind of thing? At the middle and high school level, it will let the whole week go. And then um, it'll be sometime that next week that we draw random prize for. Uh, for the elementary schools, it's, it's immediate. So we, I actually go to the school, and I am up there like a game show host. We've done things in the past where I've kind of dressed up. We did Bozo's Grand Prize game, and I had on a clown wig and oh, that sounds um, great. glasses, and I just kind of, you know, we, we do a lot of things to just kind of make it exciting for them and call them up. So I'll probably be saying a lot of come on down this year. <laughs> and um, 
get them to come up there, play the game in front of, they play in front of all of their class and the kids get so excited and they're always like, you know, chanting names and, you know, it's really nice because they're, they're all working, you know, for their, for their buddies up there and uh, they get their prize. They get a pick right there. Will you pick like a school a day or how will you hit a heavy school? Yeah, we will be, this is our schedule. We'll be at Cortland on Monday, Jackson on Tuesday. Reading on Wednesday, Emerson on Thursday, and Brown on Friday. And then we'll also have some announcements we can read at lunch. Stacy, is that right? Yes, we will come up with some things for you to share with your students all about the importance of a healthy school lunch. Um, so there'll be a different announcement each day of the week. Well, to me, I think the whole purpose of this, number one, is to publicize how many kids we do feed, the importance of nutrition, what other things are important, Lindsay? That I mean, what's the basic purpose of National School Lunch Week? I think the main thing is to get kids excited about eating at school and to get them to come and eat with us because we really do serve a, a really nice meal for them to eat that's nutritious that I feel like is, you know, something that is probably more than you can pack in a lunchbox. So I think it's a good way to get kids, especially when we have two schools in our district where everyone can eat for free, that, you know, those schools, it's really nice to, you know, say, just try it. Let's just have a fun day and eat school lunch. Well, and, you know, also the sad fact is for some of these kids, that's the best meal they're going to have mm-hmm. during the day. Have you any statistics, Stacy, that, that tells you how many that's their main meal? I do know that in Indiana, there are 300,000 children who are considered to be food insecure, meaning they either don't have enough food or food of acceptable quality. Um, and that translates to one in seven children in the state of Indiana. And we do also a, like a backpack, don't we? A backpack program within, is that through you guys or is that through a different program? That is actually through a different program. That's a partnership with Gleaners Food Bank and Cummins here in Seymour. With, if you're not familiar with that, program they give us students backpacks on a Friday to take home with food and then they return the backpacks on Monday. Well it sounds like we're going to have a lot of fun on National School Lunch Week. Anything in closing Lindsay we need to share with everybody? Um, The only other thing I have is that there will be a themed menu so we're going to have that day whatever day we come to the elementary schools. uh, Plinko pizza, contestant row corn, a brand new this translate better on paper but uh, a brand new car carrot car carrots with ranch (laughs) Uh, showcase showdown slushy come on down cookie so come eat with us that sounds like a fun stacy in closing anything you want to add i would just say we look forward to seeing you in the lunch line well i want to thank both you guys for the work you do seriously it's amazing all right for the al360 podcast this is troy hubbard Lindsay prey Stacey Townsend. Remember, we're soaring to excellence, everyone. Every day. Welcome to this segment of the OWL 360 podcast. Today, we are going to dedicate ourselves to learning about insects that can be quite pesky. We hope that you will learn about the various plans, policies, and information available to support our families, our students, our teachers, and our community. With us today, we have... Hi, I'm Sherry Reinhart, Director of Health Services. Hello, I'm David Stark, Director of Facilities and Grounds. Sean Mahoney, Technology Integration Specialist. And we are going to talk about the various aspects of how Seymour Community Schools prepares and addresses any type of infestation in our schools. We're going to start with our Director of School Nurses, and she's going to share some information from that perspective. Sherry? 
Okay, so I guess the first thing that I would like to say is that it's really, really important for all of us to follow some steps in taking care of these pests. Uh, we do have policies in place. We have a lice policy and a bed bug policy. Those are two of the uh, pests that we deal with frequently at school. Um, and so I would like for you all to be aware of that and um, just tell you a little bit about what that policy is. But also I'd really like to stress the importance of um, the staff, parents, and the student working together to get rid of these pests. We want to work, we want to be a team, and uh, we just all want to work together to take care of this. So if you get a call from us that your child, um, there's been a bed bug or lice identified, uh, we are doing it just to try to help you and um, to get rid of the problem and you know see what we can do to help as well as what you can do at home. Um, so I guess I would like to just start off by going over some of the steps that we take. Um, we'll start off with lice and you know lice has been around forever um, and continues to you know be a problem occasionally but um, so the first thing that we do if we get a referral that a student has um, lice uh, or the uh, staff member thinks they have lice they send them down to the school nurse we will um, check their head and then if we find lice we will follow up with a call to the parent um, most of the time we we go by cdc recommendations and this child has had lice for many many days before it's actually found so uh, i know that you know it's it's always a big stressor in the home when this is found but again you know you just take the steps and you can get rid of the problem so then we would follow up with a call to the parent ask the parent if they want to pick up the child and treat them at home and that's what happens almost all of the time um, and once they're treated, they can return to school as soon as they're treated and the school nurse will check to see if there's anything live in their hair. And if there's not, they can stay at school. So if they have some eggs left in their hair, it's okay for them to stay at school. But we do follow up um, you know, to check their head just to make sure. Um, if the student cannot be transported home, um, parent cannot pick them up, then they would be allowed to go home on the bus. Um, so, you know, it, it's just, if you follow those steps, um, you usually get rid of the lice and it's really um, you know, not a problem. We don't check entire classrooms anymore. Um, we just check the student. We will also check their siblings. We will call the other schools where their siblings are just to make sure that um, you know, we check all of those because that's good information for the parent to have. Moving, go ahead. Anybody have any questions? Yeah, yeah. I was gonna say that um, as far as the school, we recommend um, you know, treatment packages that are available in, um, at, um, CBS. yeah, well, I was, I was trying, CBS. uh, pharmacies okay. and, uh, and, those, and those types of places right. because sometimes yes. folks may try a home remedy and that's not as effective. Right. And that's been proven that yes. it's not as effective. So we yes. would definitely recommend, uh, getting some of those, uh, treatments from the pharmacy. Right. You're right. 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 Anybody else have any discussion mm -hmm. about that? Okay, well, we can move on to bed bugs. And bed bugs, um, when I started at, you know, working in the schools, we really didn't see them that much, but, but we see them more now. But once again, we do have steps that we follow. If a bed bug is found on a student's belongings, the teacher will send that student down. And so we will check through their belongings and um, see if we can um, find any more bed bugs. 
everything that they have with them. We have something in each school called the bed bug zapper. I was trying not to yeah. mess up when I said that. But yeah. um, so it's just like a heater. It's very lightweight. It's like a heater and we can put Chromebooks in there. We put backpacks, uh, coats. We can put, you know, bedding material, anything like that in there. And we follow the manufacturer's directions on how long we need to leave those things in there. So that treats and kills the bed bugs on those belongings. But um, then we would uh, follow up with a call to you and let you know that this is what we found and um, some suggestions as to what you can do at home also to um, take care of those bed bugs. Um, and then we would follow up with a student 10 days after the last bed bug sighting um, just to make sure that there's nothing else in their belongings. We highly recommend that they don't transfer anything from school to home, so they would, um, you know, leave the backpack at home once that we found out there's lice in, in the home, and we would give them a loaner Chromebook at school, a loaner books. When you find bed bugs at home. When we find bed bugs at yeah, home, right. that's correct. So this is going to be after we call and talk yeah. with a parent. And so we also send a form home with a student that, that um, the parent would sign saying, yes, we've checked to see if there's any, if we've noticed any bed bugs in our house and what they've done um, to do that. And once, you know, we get that back and then we continue to just kind of keep track with the parents too. Um, so yeah, we just really recommend at home that as far as the backpacks and all of that, those kind of things that you really try not to send a lot of stuff to school with your kids. We try to have the kids keep their backpacks in a separate area at the high school. Uh, we have them keep them in their lockers because when a lot of people bring backpacks to the classroom, that's how they can be transmitted. Um, so again, at home, it, it would be a great idea to keep those um, things in a separate area also. And you know, it's just always nice just to be vigilant, just to you know look around your house, pull up the mattress, look and see if there's any evidence of bed bugs. Um, well, and I think that Dave uh, Stark will probably tell you some of the steps to actually do in the home um, if you find bed bugs. It doesn't always involve spraying. Is that right? That's correct. Okay. Did you have a question, Mr. Mahoney? I was just going to comment of what signs <clears throat> could a parent look for when they lift up the mattress? What would they be looking for? Okay. For evidence of bed bugs. Did I you want to? Typically, yes. they usually along the the cording, if you will, of a mattress is where the bed bugs like to lay their eggs, and they have about five different stages in their adult life cycle that they go through. So the smaller ones would be in there too. They basically hide during the day and then come out at night to feed on humans to get the blood that they need to complete their life cycle. So. Um, along mattresses, uh, chest of drawers, uh, bed, headboards, those types of things would be any place close to where their food is going mm -hmm. to be, that is where they will be. Now they're going to be on the backside or inside a drawer or something like that, uh, so you need to be vigilant, get your flashlight out. You can use uh, at home, there's a couple different things that you could do. Um, they used to say cold and hot, but nowadays they're saying the freezing does not work. They used to use a liquid nitrogen product but they say if you don't pick the, the bed bugs up, uh, some of them come back. They unfold. Yep, they reanimate. do. It's just like they've yeah. been frozen for a little bit, and then they yeah. come back. Yeah. So, yeah. and insects are very, very hardy. They'll be here long after we're dead and gone from this world. So, uh, so that's uh, one way. There is a uh, 
I would encourage you, if you have a bad infestation, you may want to uh, approach a, a local entomologist, somebody that you could trust. There's a lot of different products and things out there, remedies. Some of them do work and some of them don't work, I believe. Uh, there's a new product out there that appears to work fine, I think, particularly in home environments where you've got a, a bedroom setting and you've got furniture and beds where they're going to be hiding and try to get to you. It's basically a natural spore product that they spray in a two-inch band to try to give a protection for, from the humans to the, the pest. And the, the bed bugs have to walk across that. That's what they're trying to do. Uh, and when they walk across that two-inch band, they pick up the natural spores. The spores themselves are naturally occurring. They're safe. The, the problem that you get into with the, the product is the petroleum distillate. Uh, that is the carrier for it, mm -hmm. so it's an oil. And when it gets suspended in air, then it can cause some problems for humans. So uh, once they make an application, the, the applicator has to make uh, or use a respirator, uh, and then you have to vacate the premises for four hours before it's all set. Mm -hmm. And they usually put it where, not on like not on top of tables, or it'd mm -hmm. be under the underneath side of a chair, <clears throat> the underneath side of a table, underneath side of the bed. Uh, you can't spray it directly on the mattress because it's an oil base and it will stain and, and cause problems there. So, But that is another option that we have currently. Um, in the schools, I like to say we do an inspection, identification, isolation, treatment, and then education. So the first thing is all of our staff, whether it's administrators, custodial staff, kitchen staff, nursing staff, we all have to keep our eyes open. If we see something moving or see some issues, then we need to pay attention, be aware of that, and notify the appropriate people in that building so we can identify the carrier or the way the bugs are getting in. None of the bed bugs want to stay at school because we don't have anybody sleeping there overnight for them to feed on. So basically schools and other uh, facilities, whether it's a hospital, hotels, they're nothing more than a, a, a big transportation center or boarding station for bed bugs. So what we want to do is try to break that chain so they can't be going home with other people to find a place to, where they can feed. So if we could identify the carrier, then like Sherry said, we discreetly uh, kind of move that student in and work with them and their parents to make sure that we could reduce the population that's coming to school or eliminate that. Sometimes we could take clothing and just bag it, tape it up, and then set it aside and give them a, a new set of clothing. Uh, sometimes we could take the clothing and put it in uh, wash and dryer cycles, hot, both of those, and that would kill the bed bugs, and then we could give them their clothing back. Um, and I, I think both of those systems or methods have been used, if and I'm I, Right, correct. and when it comes to that, we usually let the school nurse make that decision. Sometimes we have the student change clothing, like you said, and bag up their clothes. We always keep extra clothes at school, but we would let the parent know that. Um, and sometimes we just inspect their clothing each day after that. Uh, initial time that we find the bed bugs. Yeah. So, right, it's according to, you know, the situation and how bad that mm -hmm. might be. And if you can imagine, the bed bugs aren't very large. Uh, sometimes uh, I think one of the first things we need to do is identify the pest we have. Some people are familiar with them, some aren't. Sometimes if, they, if we start talking bed bugs in home or schools, they see something crawling, it's a bed bug, whether it is or not. I've already had a couple of misidentifications this year. Mm -hmm. So we need to catch it, and the best way to do that would be a clear piece of tape or a piece of tape and just, mm -hmm. if you see the critter, you know, get it, catch it right there on that tape and then get it to uh, myself or Sherry and we can identify it. Uh, if I have a question about the identification of it, I send it to our entomologist that we work with on a regular basis, 
and we get proper identification. Uh, ground beetles, which we've had one as a bed bug, and they're not going to bother you. The, yeah, they come in the buildings this time of the year, but they're not a bed bug. So, uh, so we want to do that. And then at that point, we take the steps. Now, Sherry does, we do the things with the student, clothing and backpacks, and Mr. Mahoney will talk about the Chromebooks and those things here in a little bit. Um, but then, I, as custodial staff, we need to be aware, okay, we've got a sighting or possible uh, bugs in a room. So then we will notify our custodial staff and they can do some extra cleaning. Uh, it's really tough. I mean, unless you don't, unless you see them, it's hard to know that we're doing it. But we'll, we'll come through and do a, a deeper clean, try to vacuum up and then throw the bags away uh, from that just in case that we did get it. Uh, most of the time they're going to be hiding up in a crevice where we're probably not going to get them. So that's why it's very important to keep your eyes open and, and get them right away. Um, and then uh, if, if we continue to have problems uh, in a specific area, then we could take further steps um, where we could get more in-depth. Um, we do have the uh, Apprehend card, which is the new pesticide now that we could keep in our back pocket, so to speak. I don't think it's the cure-all for everything, but certain circumstances it might uh, might help us out. So, um, and that's kind of kind of what we've done. We do have a policy in place. Uh, this bed bug policy has been in place for many many years, um, five to seven, I would think, mm -hmm. somewhere in that range. And so we have our procedures that all the administrators uh, and staff should know, uh, so we could keep our staff and students safe. That's our that's our goal, to keep everything going forward. So, And Mr. Stark, I know you're very careful about what is applied to the rooms and could contact staff and students. Can you share the process? Um, I know our we've been trained that uh, nothing uh, gets sprayed without your approval and proper approval. Can right. you share that? The state law uh, here in the state of Indiana is such that no pesticide should be applied uh, without 48 hours notice given to uh, parents or any students uh, in that facility. So we typically, if we have to make uh, applications of a pesticide, we do it on Friday afternoon and evening. Um, and we, we're very careful because not only, I mean, it may be good for the pest that we knock them down, but we have to be careful about allergies, mm -hmm. uh, allergic, you know, these are allergic reactions to products. It may not bother you, but yeah. Mrs. Ferguson here, it may just knock her down just like We that. want to keep I'm her out. around a yeah, long time. Right, right. <laughs> so it's important that we respect that and we have to give the proper time frame also so parents and, and students can keep themselves safe. Um, and we use all of our interior uh, pesticide applications are done, done by a, a licensed, certified pesticide license operator. And we have keep track of those uh, records. Each application has a written mm -hmm. document that goes along with that. So, um, yeah, we've, we've been uh, very fortunate to uh, continue. I mean, any place where you have people and food, those types of things, you're going to have pests, just like a restaurant or any other facility. So we just, it's, we just have to be vigilant every day as we go mm -hmm. along and try to reduce the, those three things that they like, shelter, food, and um, you know, a good environment to grow in. So. And I think sometimes you know, parents are afraid to talk with us. They, they have that stigma attached to having you know, bed bugs in their house, but anybody can get bed bugs and you can right. get them anywhere. So Yeah, any kind of insects respect no one. Exactly, yeah. right. Yeah. Doesn't so. matter how nice your house is. Yes, that's you can true. have the bugs in there. Right. One more note on the pesticides, that, that goes even, and I know some of our staff think I'm a little over the top, but even what we call RTU, ready to use type product, like a raid that's over the counter, they cannot be sprayed in our facilities uh, without 
permission or special requirements for that. So we don't want teachers bringing in, spraying. Can't fog your own room. Can't <laughs> fog your own room, no. We have to make sure we follow all the state laws and procedures. And they're there in place to protect the for students and staff. I think all of our parents uh, with children with allergies will really appreciate that because those things can really just mm -hmm. set someone off, you know, right. trigger an allergy. Yes. So, And um, we do have these steps, um, some things to do. Um, if you do find bed bugs in your house, we have this posted on our website. Um, and also when we identify a student at school that, that has um, a bed bug, we send these steps home with them also hard copy so that parents can, mm -hmm. you know, to help them uh, know what to do. One other thing I failed to mention at home that would be kind of like a first step, I think, too, would, would just be the vacuum. If you could spot uh, the pest in a groove or a, a crevice where you could get your little crevice tool in there, then vacuum them up, just, uh, you know, sweep them up and then throw them out in the trash, get them out of your house. Mm -hmm. That's a very good first step, too. And another very important thing I, I feel like is just to keep things off of the floor uh, because that's, you know, they crawl around and crawl into the crevices on the floor. So if you could just keep your things up in a closet or on a dresser, um, I think that would help oh. also. They tend, even though they're small, they're flat. So even like the cove base along where the carpet and the wall come mm -hmm. together, they'll get behind that and then come out. Mm -hmm. So like Sherry says, if you know you have bed bugs, they're going to be coming to where you're sleeping. Mm -hmm. If you've got your bed or your backpack right next to you, they're going to infest that also because they're looking for the bus for the next host, if you will. And that may be on the bus going to school. Mm -hmm. so. Speaking of buses, so if a bed bug is found on a bus, that might be one of the questions someone might um, ask. Mm -hmm. I know in the summertime, um, that those buses get so hot that it's just like using, you know, uh, putting them in a dryer a or a yeah. zapper because right. they get above 120 degrees and they're out in the sun for, you know, four or five hours. I know if there was one identified on the bus, Mr. Fosbrink would make sure it was a day that, that the sun got that, you know, that it was that hot or um, they um, clean, do extra cleaning on the bus if they find, right. if there's been one identified also. And we've taken steps, uh, most of our elementaries particularly, uh, some of the older schools had cubbies where everybody hung their coats together. And, mm -hmm. You know, you opened a big closet and they all stuck together. Mm -hmm. Well, we've gone to lo individual lockers or individual cubby slots so students' belongings do not touch each other anymore. And that helps with lice and bed right. bugs or the other pests we haven't really yes, talked yeah. about is roaches, <laughs> roaches. Uh -huh. which, uh, which uh -huh. sometimes get very easily confused with bed bugs. They're yeah. both kind of a tannish mm -hmm. red-brown particularly when they're that small. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and an added uh, component since we've gone one-to-one -one, is technology. Mr. Mahoney, what can you share about technology and pests? Sure. As Ms. Reinhardt shared, uh, the bug baker, as we call it, <laughs> um, anytime that a bed bug has been identified or a baby roach, which are very similar, any insect or com computer bug, yeah. as yeah, the, yeah. the old term, it originated <laughs> yeah. from a moth and a yeah. massive computer. We're back to computer bugs only in just a, in a few. We, we serve over 5,000 students, and we have almost 5,000 devices we process. And when we look at um, any kind of bug inside of a computer compared to 5,000 devices, it's not that many. Um, but we take great precaution uh, to make sure nothing is cross-contaminated. So if an insect is found in a device, we immediately put it um, in the baker. Well, the first thing we do is notify the nurse 
That's our first step. We notify the, the building nurse so the student can be taken good care of. But when the device is in our hands, uh, we put it, the Chromebook case, um, in the baker and bake that to make sure that it is thoroughly cleaned. Um, any device that is used as a loaner, um, if it's in one household and comes back to us, we bake it before it goes into another household. We, we go to great lengths to make sure nothing is cross-contaminated. In our offices, we have large totes, so if a Chromebook needs to be taken apart and repaired, we set it in the tote first and take it apart. That way, if something should crawl out, it doesn't crawl across our desks. Um, we try to keep our offices reduced from clutter and making sure that devices are not uh, touching. So if your child's device comes in one of our offices, um, we go at great lengths to make sure nothing is cross-contaminated. If a device is suspect, uh, the, we also, if we can't get it to the baker right away, we put it in a Ziploc bag uh, to quarantine it. And we use a lot of Ziploc bags mm -hmm. in the corporation. Just to give you an idea, the very last day of school when Chromebooks are brought in, grades five through 12, they're put immediately into a Ziploc bag um, until our summer help can process it. They're opened up. If any, any uh, bugs would be in those bags, they're usually evident. Um, they've crawled out by then because they're suffocating and uh, they're immediately treated. Um, but after the Chromebook is processed by our summer help individually, they're put into another airtight bag um, that can keep it separated and quarantined from the others. When Chromebooks are brought across a corporation, they're also put in individual bags um, and brought in totes. So we go at great lengths to make sure that your child's device um, has the least possible opportunity to be cross-contaminated. And um, our staff were reminded often from our boss, Brian Rodman, um, to follow these procedures. And because we work with them every day, uh, all my coworkers are very vigilant on making sure that the offices are as bug-free as possible. And um, we notify uh, Ms. Reinhardt and Mr. Stark immediately uh, should something be found. But given the large volume of devices we handle every day, um, it's, it's, it's something that uh, we are cognizant of. Um, but given the percentages, it's not that great a percentage. The other thing I wanted to share is when I speak to all the fifth graders and the parents, I remind them of how to care for your Chromebook at home. They bring home a charger and I encourage find a safe place in your home where the Chromebook can be charged and keep it away from pets who could chew on the Chromebook or any other thing and siblings who could chew on the Chromebook <laughs> or do other things. And uh, I encourage to consider having a tote near the electrical outlet and if that Chromebook is set down in a tote it does a couple things. It keeps pets and little ones away from it and should heaven forbid anything be brought home you're gonna see it more likely in that tote and uh, as we've heard before you would not want your Chromebook bag in a bedroom charging keep it out in an open space where there's not much clutter uh, that way you reduce the, um, the chance of anything getting in your Chromebook bag or coming out of it so our tech staff, ever since we've been dealing with Chromebooks, um, we treat every Chromebook uh, with great respect and uh, take the necessary precautions because we don't want to bring them to our homes and we don't want anything to happen to your home. Well, I know that it is, a, um, it is an issue that oftentimes, um, you know, 
folks will try to pinpoint that this came from the school, but it's not something that's unique to us. It's uh, present in not only schools, but any place where humans gather, mm-hmm. you, know, you have that opportunity mm-hmm. to come in contact with an unwanted pest. So uh, hopefully from our podcast today, you've been able to glean some uh, some tips that may help you be proactive. Uh, hopefully you've learned that there are many, many layers and that Seymour Community Schools Uh, has done a lot of planning. We try to be proactive. We try to keep our environment clean, safe, and ready for learning. Hopefully uh, you understand that we're very conscious of confidentiality. We want to make sure that anytime a a student or their family is impacted that we treat it as confidentially as we can. Um, And just overall that we are here to help you and any of the folks that you've heard from today would be a good resource for you. Your building nurses, custodians, principals, um, we want to help. We want to get in there and uh, help you in any way that we can. Any of our panelists have anything else that you would like to add before we wrap up today? I don't think so. I would like to echo what you said. Please um, never hesitate to call uh, the school nurses. I can speak for us, and I know all of our staff is the same way. If um, you have any questions or um, if we don't have the answer, we'll find out for you and try to help. I echo that. I I think our custodial maintenance staff, we work very hard, take a lot of pride in keeping our environment clean for the students and staff. And I think uh, we, we do a really good job and we want to keep that. So we're here to help any way we can also with for parents and for teachers. Yep, and we still have two kiddos in the school corporation that bring Chromebooks home every day. So our family is very thankful for all the steps um, that are put in place to keep our home safe. Okay, Sword Excellence, everyone, every day. Hi, Troy Hubbard from the Al360 Podcast, Seymour Community School Corporation. Want to know where to tune into our podcast? You can find us on iTunes or Spotify. Just type in Al360. You can also find us on anchor.fm forward slash scsc media.